Welcome to Uncontained, episode 130. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and as you can probably tell already, I have some stuff going on with my sinuses right now, and also, I had it going on at the time of the interview as well. I try to speak as coherently and non-sinusy as possible, but uh, yeah, it's gonna come through, it all happens, and the show must go on. I meet up with my guest for this week, Ace Boom, in Oakland at La Estrellita, the place where he hosts his comedy show, Filarious Fridays, the last Friday of every month. And uh, please excuse the poor enunciation. I'm going to just go ahead and blame that on sinuses. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll blame it on the sinuses. I uh, apologize to all my Spanish-speaking listeners, but poor enunciation aside, I had a great interview with Ace Boone. We talk about uh, how he got into stand-up comedy, his approach towards comedy as an art, and William Hung actually is brought up in this interview, somebody I hadn't talked about for years, but yes, William Hung made his way into this interview, and you'll just have to wait and see see what the hell we're talking about. So I have that all coming your way right here on episode 130 of Uncontained. So plug in your earbuds, because this is how Ace Boone lives uncontained. Boone, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing okay, Aaron, man. I'm doing all right. All right, great, man. Thank you for joining me. Um, this interview took a little bit of work to get to, oh, yeah. bad radiator, uh, you know, a couple, couple days rescheduled, but nothing too bad, but I'm glad we finally met up, got this going. Same here, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. Um, uh, let's first start out with a very basic question. How did you get into stand-up comedy, my friend? Well, I always, um, wanted to be a comedian ever since I was a teenager because, uh, I used to study my, my pops used to have some old comedians like Richard Pryor albums, Red Fox and George Carlin. So I used to listen to some of those when I was a kid. And then when I became a teenager, I kind of like really started studying comedy. Okay. And like, um, you know, Eddie Murphy was like going around there, you know, doing his thing. And so Eddie, Eddie just kind of like really brought a lot of it to the surface. Okay. Back Eric, in the raw days. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, and, uh, delirious. That was the one. So okay. one of my friends got me delirious. I watched that and. Uh, on VHS tape, we used to watch it on tape, and it was just so funny. And I was like, "Damn, I want to do that," you know? Yeah, and, you know, because I was like, between Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, and George Carlin, it was just like, I want to do that. You know what I mean? And and growing up, I had a good sense of humor. I made people laugh a lot, and you know, people always told me I was funny. So I said, you know, I just want to do it. But I didn't think. I just thought it just something you kind of lucked into. I didn't know how to get into comedy, so to speak. Okay. And then one day, um, my brother's barber, you know, he went to school with and stuff. He was friends and, uh, and he was cutting my hair for a little bit too. And I didn't even know he was a comedian at the time. It was Jay Rich. And I heard okay. his name, but I didn't know he was the Jay, you know, Jay that yeah, was cutting my hair. Yeah, of course. There's hair. a lot of Jay Riches you out know, there. You know, I didn't know he was a comedian. I thought comedians just lucked up in Hollywood and became stars and that's how they did it. And so he was like, yeah, I got a show. I do comedy. I was like, yeah, my brother told me you do comedy, too. Yeah, we're going to come check you out. So I went and checked out one of his shows. And um, and I like it. It was good. I saw, you know, you know, just everyday Joe's going up there doing their thing. It was kind of like I used to um, 
to take time back a little bit, I used to go to cops a lot as a teenager too. Cops come okay. to club over in the city. Yeah. And I don't want to date myself for my age, but I was there before it burnt down over by when it was over by the uh Fishman's but Barcadero or whatever Fishman's Wharf or whatever that All is. Right. Before it's over at Columbus now. But I, I had been going there since then and knew some of the guys at the door. They used to let me in when I was a teenager because I was too young. So, But I still got in there. I saw a lot of stars perform over there. Nice. Cool. So now fast forward back over to Jay's show I went to. And then, you know, he was cutting my hair the next time. He was, I was like, yeah. He's like, you want to give it a shot? I was like, yeah, man. He's like, uh, well, I'll give you five minutes. And so I spent the next four to five months crafting up my first five-minute set. All right. You know, and I wanted it to be good, you know, and. I tested it out at one open mic and and uh and I went up there the first time I did my first showcase. It was a packed house, three hundred people, and I went up there and killed it. Nice. Yeah. It was funny because I didn't I wasn't used to, I didn't know how to you know what the light was. I could give you the light. I didn't <laughs> ever saw the light. I was just up there doing my thing. And I was in the middle of telling this funny story. And so the DJ kind of cut me off because I went like three minutes past the time. The DJ cut me off. <laughs> yeah, real quick for people who listen that don't know what the light is. Typically, they flash the light at a comic, whether it's a flashlight or a cell phone light or whatever, uh, when they got about a minute left to wrap up their set. So, all right, continue on, man. I just want to throw that out there so people listening that <laughs> right. didn't know, no. <laughs> exactly, right on. Cause, uh, and I went like at least three to four minutes past the light. And so the DJ cut me off, and I thought the microphone was tripping and then Jay started coming to the to the mic. I was like, "Oh my bad, y'all. That's my time is up. Peace." And everybody, <laughs> the place, but roar laughing because they thought that was part of my set, you know. But it was really an accident. I didn't know, so it was cool because a lot of comedians they had never seen me before, and they was like, "Dude, that was your first time." I was like, "Yeah, that's my first time." And so from that point on, it felt really good, and it was intoxicating. And they just said, "Okay, I need to, you know, this is what I want to do." And so. Hell yeah, man. And, you know, a lot of times that five minutes, it can seem like a long time, especially when it's your first time. Oh, yeah. But you went almost double that, <laughs> which, which is impressive, you know, um, and you had the crowd loving it. So that that's awesome right there. And it also rare that uh, on your first time you're in front of a packed house, too. So that's. Oh, yeah. That was that was that was a blessing. So sure. where did you go from there? Like, uh, what was your next was your next gig as big or what was that like? Well, from there, I kind of just like um, just started trying to get on as many shows as I, as I could. I would ask people if they could get on or and some it was a couple of people who saw me that night, you know, had shows and and uh, they wanted me to just come perform at their, their place. Like I had one guy on a nightclub. And he asked me to come do his show. And then another guy, another comedian who's a good friend of mine, Katie Ashley, okay. he said the same thing. He said, man, I got a show I do over here. I want you to come be on my show. You was funny, man. We could work together. So me and Katie's been cool ever since, you know. But he, though he's one of the two people that approached me after the show about being doing, doing some stuff. So Nice, man. Yeah. Nice. So uh, opened up some doors for you, just getting on some stages and stuff. I actually saw you first. I believe it was a comedy competition, mm-hmm. and I think it actually was hosted. Was it hosted by Jay Rich? Yep, I believe. Yep. yep all right, right, all right. So that's coming back full circle right there. But yeah. I saw you there along with uh, a couple other people I've had on my show, uh, Jose Contreras yep. and uh, Lucky Dollars. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, that one that was a really fun uh, comedy show, and then they had you all work a clean set at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, that was funny. That was funny. I didn't make it to that round, 
but uh, it was definitely funny to watch uh, Sean Grady. He okay. was so funny. It was funny to watch him stumble over curse words in, in his <laughs> three minute set. It was so funny. That was one of the highlights of that night for me. Yeah, watching him do that. Yeah, if I recall right from my interview, the clean set, uh, Jose Contreras actually took the blame for that. Like, because uh, Jay Rich was sitting back, like, what can I do to make this uh, final set a little bit harder? <laughs> Jose was like, why don't I, like, made a joke about doing a clean set? And then he's like, that's it. Yep. We're doing a clean set. <laughs> so. So uh, yep. yeah, all of them can thank Jose Contreras for that. But oh, you know, it, it was it was actually made a really good set though. It did. And Lucky Dollars worked the crowd well, making the crowd swear for him. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was funny. Yep, exactly. But see, that's the good thing about comedy, man. And I've been learning. And Jay Rich, he like I said, he brought he brought me into the game, and I give him a lot of credit for giving me my first you know shot in front of a big crowd. And also, I learned a lot. Of, how, a lot of, from him about how to approach the game to a comedy because he's like me in a lot of ways where he actually studies comedy as an art. Okay. And there's a lot of people out here that try to, you know, say they're comedians, but they don't actually respect comedy as an art. It's an actually, it's actually an art and people don't, don't pay attention to that sometimes. It's just like any other art. You have to craft it. Yeah. And it's, you know, like an artist that does portraits and paintings, you know, you have to have, the right tools to maximize your portraits that you paint or whatever. And comedy is the same way. It's like you you really have to respect it. You have to uh, hone it as a craft. So what do you do to study comedy? Like you say you study it as an art. So like what what would be some things for like somebody who is getting started that if they want to take stand up comedy seriously, like, what would you suggest they look into to study? Do they go to the library and look up books on how to be funny or what? See, this is see, that's the other part of, of it being an art with any just like with any other art. You have to have a base talent for that art or else if you don't, in my opinion, if you jump into it and you don't have the basic talent for it, you don't respect it as an art. Okay. It's kind of like someone saying they're a singer, but they don't really have any basic talents or voice vocal talents whatsoever as a singer. And that's disrespecting the, the art of singing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't, one, on one hand, you can't blame them for trying. If they love it so much and want to try it, True. you can't blame them. But somebody should have told them, especially those people who auditioned early in American Idol, told them that they shouldn't be singing. Exactly. <laughs> Except William Hung. Except William Hung. Now, William Hung... He's one of my favorite people who ever went on that show because he they laughed at him and he got the last laugh. He made over $25 million. Wow, man. Wow. Selling his album. His album, his first album went double platinum. And he was he was getting paid appearance fees and anywhere between twelve and fifteen thousand dollars. And so he got the last laugh. Damn, and yeah, I respect man. Him. That right William there. Hung. He got that hustle. Oh yeah. <laughs> he did that. Go William Ung if you if you hear me out there come come on uh, holla at your boy Ace Boom. There you go, there you go. <laughs> All right, man. Whether you like him or not, man, you got to give him respect. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> cheap bang, cheap bang. Oh, cheap cheap move, cheap cheap move. <laughs> I want. I almost wonder if that was his plan, like the whole time. You know, oh. he's like, I know I can't sing, but this shit, this is gonna go viral. And man. He he did it. I mean, you know, he just went up there and did his thing, and he was he stood on what he what he did, and he made it. And you know what? If he did that purposely, that's almost like some Andy Kaufman type stuff. 
Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that, uh, yeah. that's actually comedy right there, yeah. not just singing. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's why I think his, his CD or tape or album, whatever it did, it sold so many copies because people were buying it as a goof, not realizing yeah. that, okay, this is like a popular thing now. This guy really did it. Yeah, give it to somebody as a gag gift for their birthday or something like that exactly. or Christmas. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. all right, man. So, William Hung, one of your idols. We got that out <laughs> right now. <laughs> Hell, yeah. He's right up there with uh, Malcolm X. You know what I mean? He's a revolutionary in the game. <laughs> uh, okay. Those are some big shoes to fill right there. <laughs> <laughs> William Hung and Malcolm X. The shoes don't get any bigger than that. You know, I always thought they had something in common. But... <laughs> oh man all right all right i don't, I don't know how to move on from that that's that, that's the interview right there no. <laughs> thank you all right so she bangs and uh, so okay you've been doing comedy you said like two years now as we were two and a half years as we were talking off mic for a minute yeah, um, yeah about two years i started my first um that night the show that i'm t- that i was telling you about it was september the 4th 2015 okay and so I remember it so well because it was three weeks before my father passed away. And my pops wanted to make it to that show, and he couldn't make it because he had to have his last bout of radiation treatment. He was battling cancer at the oh, time. Oh, man. And uh, so when I went up on the stage, man, I, I just felt like he was in the audience with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, three weeks later, he passed away. Actually, about it was September the 30th is when he passed away. Did he get a chance to see you perform at all? or He saw me on tape. Because uh, okay. my cousin recorded uh, an open mic that I did, and then uh, and he got to see that, but he never got to see me perform live. So yeah, that was a uh, that was a tough one for me. But uh, it's still hard, like dealing with that sometimes, you know, because uh, I'm missing, of course. You of know? course, man, I can't even imagine, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. not having pops around, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so this September. It will be officially like three years since I've been doing comedy. But the first year, I really only performed twice. Okay. Like that time, well, first time and then another time in between. So I kind of don't count the first year really but because it's not really a full year. But it will really be like two years in September. But that's how you got your start. You don't always get right back on stage after your first show. It's not always that easy. You don't know where all the open mics are, all the ins and outs, you know, exactly. type thing. You don't have the network to roll with. But, you know, so in in that two and a half, almost three years now, your first show, that was an incredible high, you know, in front of that packed crowd, uh, getting laughs, you know, them eating it up. Now, have have you had any like horrible shows? Any what's your worst show that you had? Yeah, definitely. Uh, The first time I bombed Jay Rich again, uh. He used to have this show he used to do on Friday nights called Funny Fridays at the Fog Line in Haywood. And uh, I went there one night because I had a long week. I was going through a lot. And so I just told my cousin, I said, man, let's just go out there and check out the show, get some laughs. You know, I didn't plan on performing or anything. So let me just go and just hang out. And so um, I went there, sat down. And then Jay Rich got up. You know, he was hosting the show, whatever. He's like, this next dude coming to the stage. He's a real funny dude. He's you new in the game, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like looking around like, who is this dude? Who is about to come? And he said, Ace, boom. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no. So I wasn't ready. So I went up there. 
and uh, totally bombed. I'm talking about, I mean, any bomb, I mean, Pearl Harbor, whatever you want to remember, your worst bombing you ever heard of, that was me, like, that night. Yeah. I tore, I mean, it was horrible. Everything I said was just the dud. Crowd looked at me. I didn't get not one giggle. And so oh, Jay saw me struggling. And he gave me the light about, you know, four minutes in or whatever and got me off. And then it was funny because he made fun of me bombing and had the place just roaring. You of know course, I mean? of course. And so it was funny. I was laughing. But even though I bombed that night, I thanked him for that after the show because that taught me to always be ready. And from that point on, I've never been caught off guard where I just wasn't completely just, okay, I'm ready now. Okay. You know? And so yeah. that's what I learned. I learned from that. That was a learning experience for me. Right on, right on. I was just going to ask, like, how did you recover from that? Like, did that, like, affect your stage set at all or affect your confidence on stage? Or? Oh, no. No, that actually gave me more motiv- motivation because I went right back there. I think it was the next week or two weeks later, and I did another set and killed it. And um and I recorded it and you can even hear my cousin in the background, man, way to redeem yourself, way to redeem yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. You can hear him in the background in the audio. And then uh one of my friends was like, What do you mean redeem yourself? Well, I was like, Yeah, I bombed like last time he saw me, I bombed. So, <laughs> so it was it was good, you know. So that my my thing is this anything in life, you know, I grew up in West Oakland in the hood, man, where you had to be hard, you know, to, yeah. to survive. So Anytime there's a challenge faced with me, I like to deal with my challenges in life head on, you know. And uh, some challenges are harder to deal with than others, but when you deal with a challenge head on, I mean, it only gets it only gets bigger if you don't deal with it. And that's what I te- you know, that's what I that's what I go by. Right on, yeah. man. That's a good way to face things, you know. Like mm-hmm. uh, just straight up, don't hide from them. Get out yep. there, especially especially when you're on stage with a mic. You can't really show insecurities out there, or else the crowd will eat you up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, as a comedian, you have to make be willing to laugh at your insecurities and make fun of them, even. You know what I mean? Because everybody has insecurities, but if you can't if you can't laugh at them, it shows that you you're having a harder time overcoming those insecurities than anything else. You know, it it, it should you know turn it into a strength. So do you bring any of those insecurities up on stage? Like kind of like, I don't know, like for me, uh, when I was doing some stand-up, I was trying to figure out a way. When I was 27, I went blind in my right eye. Oh, man. So like I wanted to figure out a way to get up on stage and talk about that, but not get the, uh, like the pity, like, oh, like but, you know, it's like, is there is there anything like that for you or any vulnerability that you take and make funny? Oh, absolutely. I have a bad knee. I mean, I've had four surgeries on this knee. And every now and then, I make fun of my knee. Other comedians will make fun of it, and I make fun of it with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when I was growing up, because it was bad when I was, like, younger, too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, people used to make fun of it all the time when I was young, too. So I was used to that. So it doesn't really bother me. It's, it's just one of those things. We all have some something that's wrong with us or some cross we had to bear in life. So that's just mine. Like you say, yours is your eye. Mine is my knee. Yeah. Everybody got, you know, different things. But the way I deal with certain things that, you know, certain weaknesses or whatever I talk about on stage, I just try to make fun of it. Like I have a joke that I talk about me being, you know, me having sex or stroking, you know. And I say, <laughs> hey, you see my knee is like this, but don't don't judge me. I still got my stroke down. Don't make people <laughs> laugh, you know what I mean? All right, all right. Or, you know, I talk about being broke. You know what I mean? If I'm broke or whatever, I talk about that. You know, you know, make fun of that. One night, 
I was so mad because my cable got cut off. All this stuff happened. And so I went and did a show. And I just talked about that for 15 minutes and had people laughing down there. You know what I mean? <laughs> talked about being broke. Talking about other people being broke. And sometimes stuff just start coming to you. You say it and it's funny and you just keep it going, you know? There you go, man. There you go. Yeah. So you've got some pretty cool stuff coming up here. I'll save one of them for a little bit later. But uh, you do have a show coming up here soon. Uh, actually, August 11th, which mm-hmm. will be shortly after this show airs. Um, at Mr. Tay's. Uh, mm. what, what is that all about? Who's all performing on that? Uh, what Are you headlining, featuring? I'm actually going to be featuring on that show. Uh, Mr. Tay, he's a comedian out of Stockton, California. He has a show that he does out there on Saturdays. I forget which Saturday it is, but uh, I think it's like the second and fourth Saturday, something like that, but it's a really sh- good show. It's a lot of energy there, great crowd. I did it before last year. He had like a... Um, he had me on the competition part of the show. Okay. And then he, after that, he has, like, features and headlining. So I'm headlining this time. And so uh, um, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be some new comedians I haven't performed with before that I'm going to meet at the show. So it's going to be good. So anybody out there that's listening to the podcast, you in the Stockton area, come on out. August the 11th, Mr. Taste, uh, Comedy Twist. I'm going to be there. All right, sounds good, man. At so the Cancun, I think it's at the Cancun restaurant. Yep, Cancun oh, minor restaurant. Ru- minor drive or something. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> all right, I'm. <laughs> I was kind of asking that off mic, but okay, so you perform here where we're recording right now. Yeah, we're here in Oakland at La Estrellita. Yeah, this is where I have the Ace Boom Comedy Hilarious Friday show, the last Friday of every month. The next one coming up August the thirty first. Uh, make sure the tickets will be on sale soon. Um, yeah, holla, go to aceboomcomedy.com and um, get your tickets. Or you can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram, aceboomcomedy, A-C-E-B-O-O-N, comedy. And uh, uh, either DM me or message me and uh, get some tickets, discount tickets if you get them early. All right. Awesome, man. Awesome. So uh, last Friday of every month right here. Right here at La Estreita. And then also August 11th at with Mr. Tay at Cancun Restaurant. Yep, Cancun Restaurant in Stockton, California, Mr. Tay's. And uh, I'll let, uh go to uh go let me see here. Check out follow me and then I'll be posting a flyer up there. It's already on my Facebook page, but I'm going to be posting it up on Instagram and all that soon to repost to repromote. All right. Now, after after those two, like next year, you have something really cool going on. I want to know how the hell you got on this. Um, like, because it's really cool. You have a cruise coming up next year. So, like, how, how, how do you get set up doing a cruise? Because that'd be, that'd be awesome. Do some stand-up comedy, lay in the sun by the pool, on, oh, yeah. in the sea, and all that good stuff. So, what's the deal with this cruise, man? So, uh, basically, when you know, since I've been doing comedy, I'm a person who likes to connect with people and make friends. And and every time I go somewhere and I perform with somebody, I like to connect with people. So um, my man, um, Spunky Robinson, he's out there in Miami, Florida. He's okay. uh, the uh, punchline king. That's what he go by, you know. <laughs> and uh, he came out here to the town and he performed at one of Jay's shows where I featured for him. He was the headliner and I was the feature. Okay. And... Um, and I had a really good set that night. It was that was the night I was talking about, you know, where I was broke and all of that. So it was a really good set. I had the place going, and uh, and then after the show, he, you know, I got off stage. He came up to me. He's like, "Man, boom!" He's like, "You was up there killing it so hard, you know." 
You got to leave some something to stay for me. I'll start to get worried. <laughs> I was like, nah, man, it's all good, man, you know. And uh, But he went up there, did his thing, too, had the crowd going, and uh, we connected from that point on. And he actually came and did my show last year in July. And so we've been cool ever since. We keep in contact, and he sent other people through me too, as well. Okay. I made friends with him throughout the country. And so he, he has a um, comedy cruise that he's doing on Carnival Cruise Line. It's leaving out of Miami April 4th, 2019. It's a five-day, four-night cruise, and it's going to be going all the way down to Cozumel, uh, Mexico, and then coming back up to Miami and stopping a couple other places. Nice. So, yeah, so he asked me to be on. I said, absolutely. Put me on that thing, you know? Yeah, how could you say no to that, right? Exactly. You, know, you can't beat that, you know, on a carnival cruise line doing comedy and having drinks. And, uh, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no beating that, man. So do you do a lot of, like, touring around the country, or are you mainly, as of right now, until that cruise, like, focus in the Bay Area? Well, of course, my my main focus is always doing my show, but uh, uh, when you're doing comedy, you have to get out as much exposure as you can in, uh, in order to build your following the way you want it to be. So, I mean... Um, was it uh, two months ago? Wow, time is flying. Yeah, two months ago, <laughs> I actually, uh, around, around June the 1st, somewhere around there, I opened up for uh, Chris Spencer out in Hollywood. Okay, nice. On the uh, Michael Gitmore show, you know, so I opened up down there. And uh, Chris Spencer was a headliner. Um, I performed uh, in Texas uh, last year. Uh, uh, let's see here. Where else have I performed outside? You know, you know, but mostly it's in the Bay Area because it's my it's my base and home. But I yeah, I perform all around. Yeah, right. I'm very cool, man. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, all right, as we established, you've been doing. You're still for a comedian. You're relatively new at doing stand up. Two mm-hmm. and a half, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but what advice do you have for somebody who's looking to get started out? And it's a perfect time where you're still early enough in your career where you remember. Like, you know, just getting started, the just getting started out period. So what advice do you have for people who are looking to get into stand-up comedy and actually take the art seriously and pursue it? Well, first thing, you have to make sure you're you're naturally funny. You know, if if you've been told by several of your friends that you're naturally funny, that you're really funny, you should be a comedian. If you've heard that at least, you know, 25, 30 times, you know, you, you should give it a shot. You know what I mean? And where I would say get started is just go to comedy shows and, and check them out and see and see how people perform on stage and then get a feel of it and see if that's something that you really want to do. Because there's other things you can do in some comedy besides stand-up. But if you want to pursue being a stand-up comedian, that's the way we start. Watch other comedians perform. Okay. I watched other comedians perform for, without dating myself, over 25 years right. before I actually gave it a shot. You know what I mean? And so uh, you don't have to wait that long, but, you know, just watch people and study the, study the art. Another thing I would suggest is um, do some open mics, test out some write, always write material. That's one thing they told me always. I met Paul Mooney, and uh, that's one of the things he told me. He said, uh, always try to be on stage as much as you can. He said, yeah. Say, yeah, homie, if you can get on, if you can get on at a birthday party or, or a wedding or a bar mitzvah, if there's a microphone there, get on and do your one or two minutes. Just do it. Just be funny. <laughs> Anywhere you could be on, homie, just do it. Right on. And so, right on. and it's uh, and it's good. Like you run into different comedians. Like I ran into Tony Roberts. He said the same thing. It's like it's funny how they all say the same thing. Get on the mic as much as possible, and they say always write. You know, I ran into Danning Green. He's another uh comedian that's been in the game for a long time, and he was one thing. He said just keep writing. 
And then another comedian was there when I met him, was asking about people stealing jokes. Yeah. He's like, he said, man, you can't worry about that. He said, you just have to write just as fast as they can steal. You got to keep writing. He said, because after a while, you know, people start to know you. If you're getting out there enough and people know you, people know if someone's stealing your jokes or not. Say, so don't put a whole lot of energy into that. Because that was my main thing when I got started. But like, somebody going to steal my material. I'm going to fight them. <laughs> you know, I even told Jay, I said, man, somebody steal my shit. Jay was like, don't worry about that, Bruno. Don't trip off of that if somebody steal your stuff. I'm like, nah, fuck that, man. If somebody steal my shit, we going to fight. Because it's like, that's like stealing from you. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. we work hard to write that material. It take four to five months to craft a set, and then somebody just come steal it? No. You know? I hear but, that, man. But now I understand what Jay meant now. It's like, you can't, if you spend that much time worrying about somebody stealing your stuff, you're not going to be developing yourself the way you need to. You're not going to progress the way you need to. So, of course, it's still a problem if somebody steal my set. I will let them know it's not cool. But I'm not worried about that like I did in the beginning because I have a lot more material now than I had in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's um, there's so many. If you're doing jokes kind of about yourself, too, and your situation, it's really hard for people to actually steal that. But there are, like, so many situational things where somebody could just stumble upon and write pretty much the same damn joke. You know, everybody yep. has that has mm-hmm. kids can write kids jokes and uh, exactly. lots of times the kids are going to do the same damn thing the other kids do, you know? Exactly. But and, and, and that's the other thing, too. I tell people it's the difference between someone stealing your joke or they or they have make a joke about the same topic. There's, exactly. I mean, like when Bill Clinton and that stuff happened with Monica Lewinsky, every comedian had a joke about that. You know, Donald yeah. Trump, everybody has a joke about that. But, you know, if somebody's stealing your joke and they're going into detail the same way you say a certain joke and the punchline is the same, that's stealing a joke. That's yeah, different. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. That's some Carlos yeah. Mencia stuff right there. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey you know. <laughs> but I want to go back for just a second here to one of your first pieces of advice, um, you know, to get in on stage if people tell you you're funny and stuff like that. And I just want to throw something in on that. You know, a lot of people tell you you're funny, but then you, like, try to write something and it's completely like different actually trying to write comedy instead of just being situationally funny. Um, I think one of your pieces of advice is go seeing other comics on stage will really help you figure out how to take that situational humor and turn it into a set. And along with performing as well, but to get a clue of how to be like, okay, set this up as a story, you know, move it along. And, you know, set the setup, the punchline, and all that good stuff. Um, seeing other people do it will help you do that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, yeah, and oh God, I forgot what I was going to say for a second. I drew a blank. But, uh, oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. Do, 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 do. No. Oh, wait, wait. We're, we're recording this. It's going to be your new. Uh, you, you and William Hung are going to have something, man. <laughs> You're going to be like the William Hung the second coming with hit me up. We can do a platinum hit together. You know Go on I mean? American Idol, man. You know, yeah. I just want one platinum hit and I'm good. I ain't greedy. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Thank so you. I see you all over the social medias. All right. But um, besides just being present on social media, what do you do to promote yourself? Is there any specific strategy that you have? For, via social media well um not well not really the the, the main the main thing because 
it's ironic because I actually hate social media. <laughs> I hate it with a passion to the point where like the first year and a half that I was trying to do comedy, I didn't even have a Facebook, Instagram, none of that. I just started it like April of last year. Okay. All of this. I started Instagram maybe like, I don't even remember, maybe May last year, June, and I started my Facebook like March or April of last year because I hate it. But it got to the point where I was trying to promote myself word of mouth on the streets, passing out flyers. Yeah. And then people were like, you ain't got no Facebook? And I was like, well, yeah, go to my website. And then it's like, website? You don't have a Facebook or Instagram? You don't have Instagram? It's like, Snapchat? You know, I was like, no, I don't got none of that. And I just started feeling more stupid. I'm like, you know what? This is what the people want. And another thing I learned about comedy is you got to get the people what they want. Okay. And so sometimes you may think something is funny, but if the people ain't laughing at it, you transition into something that that particular crowd think is funny. So it's Definitely. the same thing I had to take that in a promoting strategy. It's like, okay, I can't be too hard. If this social media is what people are all about, I got to be on that. So I just jumped on it. And so now I think I'm over 1,250 followers and friends, whatever, on Facebook. And then Instagram is still going. So. Okay, awesome, man. So you said something very interesting in there. Like on stage, you got to give them what you want. If you're saying something that they don't dig, you got to find out what they're liking. So have you ever just completely bailed on a joke, like in the middle of it? Or like when you felt they weren't doing anything? Or like what, what's your strategy when you feel they don't dig what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. If you're in the middle of a joke and people aren't laughing and you come with the punchline and it doesn't do anything, you just move on to the next thing. You make fun of the fact that that joke wasn't funny <laughs> and then you move on to the next thing. And so what sometimes what happens is, and I've learned this from watching other comedians do it, they'll be so intent on finishing a set that they're not being funny because yeah. they got to get that set done. And one of the things I learned from a comedian, um, Ellis Rodriguez, when I first met him, he went up, uh, met him at uh, Tommy T's, and uh, and I was when I was first getting started. Okay, and uh, he had a killer, you know, set or whatever. He won this competition, and after stop, he was hanging out outside, and we had like a forty minute conversation, and he was just sharing with me and another comedian about um, some of the stuff he went through because he went all the way from Hollywood and TV and came back, and now he's back home doing comedy still but one of the things i learned from listening to him was just main thing is be funny don't yeah. get hung up on trying to do a set he said because there's times where a comedian can go up and tell one joke for 10 15 minutes and he's killing the crowd or this other comedian come up do a whole 30 minute set and then kill the crowd who was who, who was funny the guy who did the one joke yeah it's not course. about the joke it's about the crowd and so i learned from that and i paid attention to that because I feed a lot off the crowd. You know what I mean? You have to bring your own energy to get the crowd into it, but you have to feed off the crowd because sometimes I'll change a joke right in the middle of what I'm saying because of the crowd. I'm watching this person's face over here and engaging the feel. So it definitely have to give the people what they want. Yeah, of course. And man. that's where the art comes in. That's when it becomes an art, you know, when you can actually feel people, you know, you can feel what they, what you can feel what they want. That's an art that can't be taught. You can't learn that at comedy school. You can't learn it reading a book. It's experience. Yeah, exactly, man. And you may be able to, uh, like, hone that craft, like, hone the feeling, you know, be able to, 
be able to feel a crowd a little bit more. But, you know, there is a certain connection you have to have with people in order to be able to see if they're digging things. But to go back to, like, knowing when a joke bombs and making fun of it, the first experience I ever had with that, like, like a, watching a comedian do it either. I remember watching David Letterman yeah, doing, yeah. like, his daily <laughs> monologue. And he had a joke that, obviously, he thought, I think, was going to land. All right? <laughs> and that's the worst. When you have a joke that thinks going to land and oh, you hear crickets, <laughs> you know, it's that right there. But But he, like, recovered from it perfectly. He was like... He like kind of like loosened his tie. He's like, "Oh, bombo!" <laughs> and he just called out that the joke bombed right there, and he got a huge laugh on that. Got the yeah. crowd right back. I was like, "Exactly that right there, my friends. Uh, that's something." I took note of that like, on that day. So when I finally did get on stage to do stand up comedy, I kind of remembered that. And that's where you have to be willing to make fun of yourself as a comedian. And and that's my that's like I said, that's my opinion. You can't be a real comedian if you can't laugh at yourself. If you're insecure and 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 not willing to laugh at it, you, you won't really last long as, as trying to do comedy. It won't last. I agree completely with that. Same with, like, joking around with people. You know, if you joke around with somebody but you can't take a joke, shut the fuck up. Exactly. You know, it's like, exactly. if you can't take a joke, you have no right making fun of other people. Same thing no with right stand-up comedy, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's just just common sense, but... Yep, some people still don't Not get everybody it. Everybody gets it. <laughs> everybody don't have common sense. That's why no, it's, they, not, it's not that common, is it? It's not that common. That's why they have it for sale at Target. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Once a month, Target will come out with a whole line of confidence, common sense, and all these other different products that you can actually buy. When and do they have that sale? It's usually at the end of the month or at the middle of the month, you know. Really, really. Like, they have a holiday. How, how, how much do they charge? I'm looking for something, man. Well, the prices range. <laughs> I usually get a discount because I know people that work there. Okay. Or right. I just put like a red shirt on with some khakis and I go in there and just take some. Just and go back I into the storeroom. You yeah. know, the customer wants this. Exactly. Yep. Put yeah. it under your shirt, walk out. Yeah, no questions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Have you ever made the mistake of going into Target wearing red? I actually don't remember doing that. I, but I did walk into uh, Walmart wearing blue. Okay, same thing. And that's man. when I knew they were funky. The red and blue, you know? <laughs> it was like a gang thing. It was like weird. It's like, come on, Walmart funk with Target. And it's like, yeah, you know? yeah, you know, so it's like, retail hey. wars, man. I'll tell you. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> that's why I stopped shopping there on Black Fridays or any of them, any of them holidays because people go crazy. They be fighting over that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, those are nuts, man. I prefer to just do it all <laughs> online, man. I'm not getting up at 3 in the morning or staying up all night in line just to get, like, a cheap-ass DVD player for $3, you know? Exactly. And they only have two or three of them there anyway. I know, right? Fuck and that. People are fighting over shit that ain't even near. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the whole Beanie Baby craze, man, when, like, moms were, like, duking it out because they wanted their kid to have the newest Beanie Baby. Oh, ain't that and, crazy? Yeah. Man. They need somebody to come in there with a belt and whoop all of their asses. Like, you're getting on. a cabbage patch this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if those are still around, I don't fucking know. But <laughs> all right, man. So what would be like a highlight or two that you care to share? Not necessarily the highlight of your career, but like what, when you're sitting, chilling with some of your friends or whatever, talking about some sets, what are some stories that you share? Well, I guess a, a one highlight for me is... Um, performing at Cobb's Comedy Club and um, 
I was on the There Goes the Neighborhood tour show there back in March, I want to say it was. And it was a packed house, you know. I went up there. I had a, I think it was a seven, ten-minute set, something like that. I went up there, did my thing, did really good. And uh, when I got off stage, Tony Sparks was there. Really? Yeah, the Godfather of Bay Area Comedy was right there. And he was like, Ace Boom, he said, you did a great job. He said, that was he said that was a perfect set. And he started breaking down technically, like we talk about the art. Yeah. I mean, he's a godfather, so he knows the art of comedy. He started breaking down technically everything I was doing right in that set, like the crowd engagement, transitions, everything that I was doing. And he was just like, wow, that was a perfect set. And I was like, thank you so much. You know, and that meant so much, come, a lot coming from him. Because, you know, people, when you get off the stage, people go, oh, good set, bro, good set. Everybody yeah. said that. But for have, to have someone of his caliber come up to me and break down how good my, how my set was good. Not just say good set, but actually technically break it down. And tell you why it was a good set. Yeah. yeah. He, he was actually paying attention, and it lets me know that I really did good. And it lets me know my preparation for that set was on point because I'm a firm believer in prop, proper preparation prevents poor performance. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. Right. So, proper uh, preparation pre- uh. Yeah. prevents p- poor performance that's a oh, that's yeah. a tongue twister right there man oh, that's yeah. like one of those vocal exercises like red leather yellow leather red leather yellow leather or a proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee pot or some <laughs> shit like that i took some voiceover classes and if you say them enough you get good at it but oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's right up there where michael jackson likes fried chicken you know what i mean it just rolls, you gotta get to the point where it just rolls off the tongue yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so um yeah. <laughs> Sorry about derailing that right there. No, so. no my man. I threw, <laughs> That's you, my bad, I threw man. you off with the Michael Jackson, my man. No, no, no. I threw you off with a proper cup of coffee and a copper coffee pot. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like took the time and really prepared for that set because I wanted to make sure I did, did, you know, did what I did. So, uh, and it felt good. You know, once you once you get that good set like that, it feels really good. You know. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Like, it, there's nothing like the high of coming off stage after, like, a killer set, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that was a highlight for me. And another highlight of mine was um, I'm trying to remember exactly what set it was. But when I did this one set, uh, and, like, when I got off stage, like, I had the comedians laughing. You know, you know, nice. comedians don't give it up. You no, know, no. Comedians just stand there with straight face, and you'd be killing the crowd, and they'll just sit there and go, ha, ha. Or, but yeah, that's funny. When that's comedians laugh. were laughing, and they came up coming up, oh, man, that shit was funny, and they quoting your jokes, that's when you know, you, you know, that's a good feeling, too. That's a, always a highlight to be respected by your peers. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I was actually going to ask you, too, before I got derailed with the vocal exercises and all that <laughs> good stuff, has doing stand-up comedy changed your way of watching comedy? Like, can you go to a show and be an audience member? Or are you up there, like, dissecting? Like, okay, I see what he did there. All right, I saw how he crossed that T, dot that I, how he, like, did all this stuff over here. Um, is, is your experience as an audience member different now that you do comedy? It's actually not that different for me because I've always studied comedy that way. I always would watch a, a special of Richard Pryor on TV and watch how he did certain things, how he walked on the stage, how when he told his joke, his energy went to a certain level, okay. or how he brought it down and transitioned to another joke. I always paid attention to those things. So I'm one of the few comedians that'll go to an open mic with a bunch of comedians, and I'll actually laugh out loud. (laughs) I give it up. If a comedian says a funny joke, 
number one, I'm going to laugh because I think it's funny. Number two, I want the comedian to know it was funny. Yeah. So he could keep going. Number three, I feel like it's supporting that comedian knowing that he told something funny. He's going to keep doing it. I'm not going to sit there like, I'm not going to laugh because I'm a comedian and it's beneath me to laugh. That's I don't even know where that came from. To me, it's bullshit. Yeah, exactly, man. But, you know, it's it's weird, though. Like, when I was doing stand-up comedy, I didn't laugh as easily at jokes, it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if I thought something was funny, even if my instinct wasn't to laugh, I tried to laugh, you yeah, know, just yeah. to throw that out there, you know. Mm-hmm. It, 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 yeah. it's a, you've got to be able to turn that switch from audience member to try to sit back and enjoy it instead of dissecting all the time. Exactly. But I still find myself dissecting sometimes. I'm like, okay, can, I see. You can't help it. No, no. Even, if, even though I haven't done stand-up for like close to, to three years now, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's still it's, in and me. it's your craft. It's your craft. It's just like if a, if a quarterback, a retired NFL quarterback was watching a football game, He's going to enjoy the game, but he's going to be like, damn, that quarterback should miss that read, you know? His footwork he, was he, all wrong, man. Yeah. His footwork is all he thrown off the... He saw the safety cheating over there while he was going through <laughs> that pass, you know what I mean? So it's the same thing with comedy. I mean, like I said, even though I laugh, I'm still paying attention to it the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it's like, I just, I don't know, I just like laughing. So sometimes a lot of it is me looking for a reason to laugh, too. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the joke is, like, a stand-up comedian's laugh in the crowd is like this. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and I take, that's why I like going to some of those open mics with all comedians because I you look at it as a challenge. I'm going to make y'all motherfuckers laugh. There and you I go. I take it as a challenge. So if I get a, a snicker or something out of a comedian, I know the joke was hilarious. <laughs> I just know it, it would kill. And, you know, right. And that'll uh, work on a regular crowd for sure. Exactly. All okay. right, man. Those are some fun highlights that you had there. So when you perform, Boone, um, when you perform, and the audience is there watching you. What is it that you want the audience to take away and remember about the set? Is there a certain mood, a certain aspect of your show that you want them to remember most? Anytime I perform, the one thing I want the audience to always remember is me. Like okay. me, as a, me as a person. And a lot of times in my comedy, I try to say things that make people think. Yeah. You know, I try to talk about things that's probably happening in someone's life and make them think about it because it's happened in my life. So obviously it's got to be happening in somebody else in the crowd's life. Yeah. And I just want them to think, you know, and sometimes, you know, like I say, when I'm doing comedy, I try to talk about my life experiences. And sometimes I add or subtract away from those experiences <laughs> to make them funny. Creative license. Exactly. <laughs> so but within that, I still want people to think, you know, that's okay. what I like people to take away from my comedy is. Uh, I, w- I want them to think that I was funny, but also to think that I, you know, that I ha- try, try to have a cerebral approach to it. Okay, like, what is there something spe- like specific you want them to think about? Like, whether it's like what's going on today, like in the world, or like think about like an experience that they had, or is there anything specific there, or just you want them to have some sort of cerebral experience? It's really like whatever I'm talking about at that time, whatever my set was about, I want them to remember that and think about how I had applied to them, whatever, whatever it was. If I'm talking about being broke, if I'm talking about my bad knee, if I'm talking about uh, dating, if I'm talking about being married, if I'm talking about anything, traveling or whatever the case, I want them to remember or think about how it applies to them. And so they can, so if they come to, 
because it might be a challenge they're having in their life. Like I'm having, right. like being yeah. broke or whatever. If they, I want them to think about it. So when they come to that challenge in their life and they're struggling, they can remember that joke and maybe it'll help them get through that part of their life or something. Right on, man. Very mm-hmm. cool. Very cool. So I'm going to ask this next question because, well, I was talking to a listener of the show on uh, Facebook, uh, Zach Taylor, actually an old friend of mine, too. But uh, he's uh, he was telling me like he liked the interviews, like especially when I talked to comics. But he wanted when I asked this question specifically, he wanted to know if there was a method or a way that you go about um, trying to make that audience feel what you're trying to get across so is there like a method to getting your message across to them well the main thing is you have to make sure you're saying something that the crowd is relating to okay you know for example um i've performed in different front in front of different crowd types some crowds are not as diverse as other crowds so if you're in front of this type of crowd you may want to talk about something that's relevant to them instead of trying to force something that may not be relevant because you know about this over here. Yeah. And because in the end, if the crowd, if it's not relevant, they're not going to connect with you. And if they don't connect with you, you can't feel them. And if you can't feel them, chances are you won't be funny to them no matter what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the main thing with me. It's like that's my approach of trying to make sure that I connect with the people I'm performing, performing in front of. A lot of times I do that before the show. I'll go out, like if I'm performing at Cobbs, I'll be in the lobby and say, hey, thanks for coming to the show. And I'll just, just say hi to them and just get a feel of what their energy is and what, okay. you know, even if I don't ask them their name or details about them, sometimes when you say hi to somebody, you get a feel for their energy. Of course, of course. And so that's, that's part of the, my approach, you know. That, that is actually really cool. Like, you know, you think of comics talking to people after the show, but you don't really think necessarily that they'd go out, try to talk to them before the show to get a feel for the crowd. But that that's smart right there. I like that. Mm-hmm. Especially if I know I'm going to be the first one on the lineup, I definitely want to get a feel. Like if I'm somewhere like third or fourth or, down, or later in the lineup, I could just watch. Sometimes it helps to watch other people go up and get a feel of the crowd and watch the crowd. And it's like, oh, OK, this is what they're what they're feeling. But yeah, especially if you're first, that's genius too, because one other reason besides just getting a feel for them, they get familiar with you. And they're like, oh, that's that guy that came up and talked to us in the lobby. And Mm -hmm. that's that guy. Oh, he was he was funny just talking to give him more of a chance because breaking that ice as an opener isn't always an easy thing to do. Exactly. Transfer them into laughing mode from work mode. You know, that's a big that's a big challenge sometimes. Seriously. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good question. I appreciate that. one. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the great answer, man. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I do have one final question for you here before we wrap up the show. But before we get to that, uh, where can people get a hold of Ace Boone? Uh, what's your corner of the internet, my friend? I know you hate social media, but oh, where no. can where can they get a hold of you? <laughs> you can get a hold of me on Facebook at Ace Boone Comedy. That's three words: A C E B O O N Comedy. You can also find me at Instagram. Uh, at Ace Boom Comedy. Um, also, I have a website, uh, aceboomcomedy.com. Also, have a YouTube channel, Ace Boom Comedy. So, everything is Ace Boom Comedy. Nice. You're able to keep it the same across all platforms. That's great. That's Definitely. great. It's nice when you can do that. I got Uncontained Pod on all platforms. So, that's, that's you know. Saying. It's all, it, it's rough when you have to be like Ace Boone comedy, Ace Boone funny man, Ace yeah. Boone. <laughs> Ace, Ace Boone, Boone will chef. make you laugh. <laughs> exactly. 
Hey, Spoon Giggles. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Spoon the drug dealer. No, I'm just <laughs> See me after the show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. We have that one final question coming your way. The title question of the show. Ace Boone, how do you live uncontained? Okay. Well, Aaron, the way I live uncontained is that, um, you know, when people tell me that I can't do comedy or I shouldn't do comedy or or I have moments where I feel like people say you weren't funny or whatever, that just motivates me to want to work even harder at it. And um and just keep in mind, you know, all of the hard work that I put into it and all the hard work that I need to continue to do yeah. to get better, it just keeps me going. And also, you know, there are sacrifices that you make in order to do comedy. There's a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, on the street promoting, going, you know, basically person to person, passing out flyers. You know, hey, come check out my show. Have you heard of Ace Boom Comedy? No, I haven't. Hey, check it out. And sometimes people laugh at you. Uh, you ain't funny or you ain't a comedian. You don't even look like a comedian or that. <laughs> or some people say, hey, it'd be, yeah, I can't, I'd be love to come check out your show. And so that's how my show has grown one person at a time, just like that. Word of mouth and pushing it out there. And so that's what keeps me going. And that's how I live uncontained. Hell yeah, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, first of all, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show and uh sharing your story with me man oh no thanks for having me man it's been a pleasure man i appreciate it no it's been real fun and unfortunately we're to that point of the show where it's time to sign off and i have all my guests sign off the show boone will you do me the honor of uh signing off the show today oh absolutely it's your boy ace boone you can find me everywhere facebook instagram website uh uh youtube channel all of that, and um, it's been a pleasure being here with my man Aaron Static. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we're here in, in the town of Oakland at Las Trejitas, but uh, stay tuned. This has been Ace Boone, and I live uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. And thank you for listening, and thank you to Ace Boone and La Estrellita for letting us record the podcast there. And uh, if you are in the Oakland area, remember, last Friday of every month, Valerius Fridays at La Estrellita. And uh, you should definitely check it out. And you can check Ace out at aceboonecomedy.com and Ace Boone Comedy across social media. Make sure you swing by uncontainedpod.com, and uh, you can link to all my social media there as well, or just use at uncontainedpod. And thank you once again for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.